What's up, everybody? Welcome back. ESK, Keyboard Kimura, Friendly Neighborhood, Spencer Man. UFC Vegas 75, 10 things I like. If you can't tell, if you can't hear it in the voice, if, you can't, if you're not watching on the YouTube, you can't see it in my eyes. I'm excited to be back here. I missed you folks last week. I missed doing this stuff last week. UFC 289 didn't need me to run down 10 things that I like because I think everybody had a bunch of things that they liked on that show, or they should have. If you didn't, shame on you. It was a great show. We had a great time at Rogers Arena, but we are back at the UFC Apex on Saturday. We are back here on the platforms for this week. 10 things. Here we go. Item number one, bronze medal bout at middleweight. Talked about this a little bit yesterday on one question in terms of Marvin Vittori and whether he could win the bronze medal matchup against Jared Cannonier that headlined Saturday's show. But I want to dive into the actual bronze medalness of it all a little bit more. As I said, I touched on it yesterday briefly, but I, I think this is one of those things and it's it's one of the elements to me that I feel is missing and is lacking a little bit when we have these discussions about fights and matchups and fighters and divisions and things like that, because it feels to me like we have this real, real serious Ricky Bobby mindset, right? When it comes to this sport, it's either your first or your last. Now, it's not exclusively that, I should say, because we pay a lot of attention to buzzworthy prospects and and really hyped up names and and big names as well but for anybody that isn't necessarily falling into one of those buckets can't be placed in one of those buckets a lot of them kind of get dismissed and Marvin Vittori and Jared Cannonier very much feel like athletes who have been dismissed in the middleweight division not because they're not talented but because they haven't been the absolute best and most likely won't be the absolute best. Both men have each lost to Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker, the gold and silver medalists, respectively, at 185 pounds. But there's something, like, being the bronze medalist means something. I'm sorry. I know that people want to just dump on these cards and dump on these matchups and dump on these particular athletes, but being the third best middleweight in the UFC is a big fucking accomplishment. And I'm sorry to curse right out of the shoot. Less than three minutes in, we're dropping F-bombs. But like, it drives me mental. It drives me insane that people will look at this and dismiss it out of hand because these two guys have lost to Israel Adesanya recently and therefore won't be fighting for the title after winning this fight. So they're still fighting to be the third best fighter, maybe fourth, maybe fifth best fighter in this division. And we need to give more appreciation to being the fifth best and eighth best and 12th best fighter in these divisions, because it's difficult. If we just sit here every week and dismiss everyone that isn't a champion or a hot prospect or a name that generates traffic and drives engagement and discussion on social media, then I understand why people look at every fight card and say, this isn't worth my time. But it means to me that we're dismissing way too many athletes. We're throwing away way too many bouts simply because they don't carry immediate championship relevancy or enough clout that they're going to carry on social media. 
I'm here for fights. I'm here for fist fights on a Saturday afternoon or evening, whatever it may be. Sometimes morning, which is also quite nice. And I like seeing the number three and number four fighters in this division go toe-to-toe on Saturday night. It's mind-boggling to me how so many people want to look at this and just say, nah, doesn't matter. I'm done with it. These two aren't good enough. They are outstanding talents that have only been beaten by two of the last three champions in this division. If we're, if we're just dismissing people like this out of hand instantaneously, there's no hope for us. There's no hope for coverage of this sport. If everybody lines up to just be like, these guys don't matter. These dudes matter. Marvin Vittori and Jared Kinnanier are good fighters. They are great fighters. They are dangerous talents in this division that will beat just about every one of those up and coming talents that everybody is super excited about. We got to give them time. We got to give them recognition. We got to give them the due that they deserve or else we're just continually telling people not to tune tune in and turn up for the thing that gives us all opportunities either on camera, on podcasts, whatever it may be. And I just don't understand how we expect this to go on if we're constantly telling people not to bother. Item number two, Armin Saryukin's fighting. I love Armin Saryukin. Love it. Love him. Have loved him from his debut against Islam Hashev. Continue to love him today as he feels like the heir to the throne of Islam Hashev, first as the ascendant guy that we're always not quite sure just how good he is. Right before Mahashev got to the title, he was that guy that DC and his team were always talking about. He's the next one. He's the next one. He's going to be a champ. And we were all kind of like, just not quite sure. There weren't those top five wins. There weren't even necessarily the top 10 wins, but you could feel it. You could see there was something about him. And then of course he graduated on, defeats Charles Oliveira, wins the title, defends the title back in February against Alexander Volkanovsky. And now is the undisputed top lightweight in the UFC, if not the world for that matter. So you can feel similar. Yes, he had the loss last summer to Matoish Gamrot, but one, I scored the fight for Saryukin. I think you can go back and watch the fight and score the fight for Saryukin, so I'm not necessarily down on him losing that fight. Two, I think he is a guy that as he continues to progress, as he continues to compete, will reach that point of being a title challenger, if not a future champion. He is that damn good. I like this fight with with Joaquin Silva. Joaquin Silva, forget how he pronounces it. I think it's a interesting opportunity for Saryukin to maybe make a statement as I talked about yesterday on, on one question. But you give me this guy in the octagon on a Saturday and I'm in. I'm in. It's as simple as that sometimes for me. I know that that's not the case for everybody as always. Not here to necessarily try to convert people. Not here to tell people that their approach to it is wrong. Just don't tell me mine is either. You want to give me Armin Saryukin on a Saturday? I'm in. Sign me up. Simple man. Fist fights, dogs, pizzas. Let's go. Item three. Take two for Christian Leroy Duncan. 
very hyped on this young man. Middleweight takes on Armin Petrosian. His debut came earlier this year against, in London, UFC 286, against Dusko Todorovic, where in the midst of the first round, Todorovic went to circle him off the cage, went to, it looked like, hit a takedown off the cage, and his knee just popped. And that was the end of the fight. So we didn't get to see a lot of the former Cage Warriors middleweight champion. I think he's somebody that has the potential to make a relatively quick rise in this division. And part of it always, shout-outs to Sean Sheehan, is because it's middleweight. Not necessarily the deepest division there is. Not necessarily the most hurdles to clear in order to get into the top 15, if not top 10. But I do think CLD is somebody that has that skill regardless of the lack of depth in this division. Yes, he is very young in his professional career, but he got a lot of that learning. He got a lot of those mistakes and sorting things out, out of the way at amateur, so that when he hit the pros, it was just full steam ahead. And that has been the case so far. I'm curious to see if that will be the case this week. And I think Petrosian is a good test for him. Three fights into his UFC career. Two and one, the losses to Kyle Bahio, who's obviously done well undefeated thus far in the UFC. And so we get another look. We get, hopefully, a longer look. And if it's not a longer look, hopefully that's because things were settled in regular terms this weekend and not an injury. Hopefully nobody gets injured. Knocking on wood. Item four, Pat Sabatini returns. I am a Pat Sabatini guy. I've been fortunate enough to talk to the former CFFC champ a couple of times. have a bit of a relationship with him. Like him. He's a good dude. Very articulate. Very thoughtful. Very good fighter. I like a grinder. I like a grappler. I like a guy that's knows who he is. Blue collar. Puts his nose in there. Puts you on the ground and just grinds you out. And he's coming off a loss to Damon Jackson last time. Again, I will always reference it on this show. Yesterday's show. One question talked about how will he respond. And I... I really just want to see it's it's really one of the things. These are questions that I love way back in the day. Me and my guy, Dwayne Finley, there's an old head name check for you. Used to talk about this kind of stuff all the time. How does so-and-so respond either from that severe ass kicking or that flash knockout that just ended a run? And Sabatini was on a real nice run. Four straight wins to start his UFC career, brink of the top 15, and then it's just shattered. And so I want to see it. I'm happy to see my guy back. I'm looking forward to this matchup. I think Lucas Almeida is a good, dangerous test as a guy that is going to come forward, slinging hands, looking to knock him out the same way Damon Jackson did. And so I'm happy to see my guy back in there. And I want to see how it goes. Item number five, some solid sophomore assignments. So let's run them down here. Manuel Torres versus Nicholas Moda. Alessandro Costa against Jimmy Flick. Christian Quinones against Kyung Ho Kang. There are others, but these are the three that I'm focusing in on here. Torres is a first round finisher. I want to see if there's a little more substance to him than just that. Good win over Frank Camacho in his debut. Beat Colton England on Contender Series before that. Nick Moda is a good test. It's a good test. It's a tough kid, 30 years old, Brazilian, hits hard, well-rounded. Happy to get into a gunfight if you want to. Good test. Really interested in this one. Alessandro Costa lost to Amir Albazi in his short notice debut. No shame in losing to Albazi, who has established himself as a top five guy at flyweight. 
looked good in points in that fight, looked okay in his win on the contender series as well. Didn't get a contract, but got the call up nonetheless. And Jimmy Flick becomes a good, dangerous kind of submission hunting, always attacking test for him. It should play out. I, I think it plays out the way that Jimmy Flick's fight with Charles Johnson played out earlier this year. Flick's first fight back after two years away. And Costa should be able to keep things standing, dictate terms of engagement, land with his hands, and get a good performance. But I want to see it. I'm curious about it. Jimmy Flick's a dangerous guy. If you take him lightly, he will flying triangle you. And then Christian Quinones and Kyung Ho Kang is just the everything I love about these kinds of cards and these kinds of fights. You give me a young kid that is full of confidence and power in his hands and willing to go out there and just bite down on his gum shield and sling against the 35-year-old veteran who has a much better record than you remember or you understand at seven three seven and three with one no contest in the UFC seven and two over his last nine for Mr. Perfect Kyung Ho Kang. Great test for Quinones. Problema is going to go out there and look to get after it. Knocked out Khalid Taha in his debut first round finish. Good performance. Went out there and was just like, yo, let's, let's throw hands. We're going to see if he can do it again on Saturday. I love these opportunities. I love seeing young fighters get more opportunities. These are the things I look forward to. I know, again, as always, I know I'm the outlier. I'm I'm okay with that. I will always be okay with me being the outlier. But just because I'm the outlier and you don't like these things doesn't mean that they're not valid. They're not worthwhile. There's not something here. These are where some of these athletes, some of these people that are champions now, this is where you start getting a sense of them a little bit more. Torres and Quinones looked good in their debuts. They're all fighting, all three of these guys are fighting capable veterans. These are good measuring stick fights. This is what I want on a random Saturday in June. Give me a chance to get a read on people. I don't see why more folks don't get on board with it, but that's just me. Item six, quality veteran clash at welterweight between Nicholas Dalby and Muslim Salikov. Well, the three fights that I just talked about are all prospects taking on veterans and getting that measuring stick that way. This is just two old heads going in there and, and showing that they still got it and battling over a place in the second 15 in the 170 70 pound weight class. Excuse me. Salikov was ranked for a long time. Nicholas Dalby in the UFC for a little bit, back out, dealt with some personal problems, got back rolling and, and focused, won a Cage Warriors interim title, had a great fight with Scott Houston that got stopped because there was too much blood on the canvas. Got back to the UFC, done okay since coming back. He's a guy that's never going to, was never going to, and is never going to put together these great big long winning streaks. His style isn't that way. He's, as an athlete, as, in terms of what he brings to the table, he's not that guy. But he is a perfect veteran hand to have in this division, as is Salikov. They are very different styles. Salikov, obviously, the king of kung fu, going to be out here throwing all kinds of spinning stuff. But these are just, these are the kind of guys that every division needs that we need to give a little bit more of a, remember that meme of the kid tipping the respect cap to Derek Jeter? That's who these two dudes are. These are two dudes that are getting in there that you just give them one of these of like, 
Appreciate everything you've done over the years. Thank you for your service. Enjoy punching each other in the face as I try to throw my, my vocaster all over the place. I like these fights. I, I get that some people just think, ah, oh, it's two guys that aren't contenders or dismissible, but like winner, this one's going to fight somebody on the come up at welterweight. And when they do, you're going to want to know who they are, what they're coming into this fight off of. This is, this is where it matters. This is why it matters. It's why I pay attention. Item number seven, one more look at Miles Johns. So a couple weeks ago, um, Sean Bitter, I believe it was, great prospect scout, great follow on Twitter, uh, talked about, asked about sort of who's one of those guys that you were in on that didn't pan out. And it, it coincided with myself and Aaron Braun, setter of TSN, talking about this last week at Media Day in Vancouver. My guy at the time was T. Edwards. My guy might end up being Miles Johns. Because thus far, Chapo hasn't quite gotten to where I expected him to get to. And I don't know if he's going to. Now, I say I don't know because he is 29 years old. Certainly still time to figure out whatever those missing pieces are. Go on a little run. See where we get to. But thus far, 4-2 and two in the UFC. And I just don't know if he's, he's going to put it together. But I'm not quite ready to write him off. So that means he qualifies as a as a fighter I can't quit and part of the Miles Johns support club if you will. He gets a matchup here against I'm I'm blanking Honey Barcelos, excuse me. Momentary. It's a tough fight. This is this sort of is the one to me where if he wins this then I can stay on board, then I can continue to be like, "Hey, it might come around if he loses this one." then it may be time to just accept that Miles Johns isn't going to get to where I expected him or wanted him to go. For those not watching on video, I had to mute there for a second to sneeze. So I didn't sneeze directly into your ear holes. So excuse me, I'm back now. Just curious, right? This is, this is a guy that was undefeated on the regional circuit, won the LFA title. Split decision over Adrian Yanez. Fought good competition on the way up. Was at Fortis. Is now back home in Kansas. Training at Trey Ogden's gym. I believe it's Marathon MMA. So we'll just see. He's a he's one of these kids that I look at. That I watch in the good moments and go, all of it's there. It's all there. He can wrestle. He can grapple. He can crack a little bit. Compact. Powerful. Good speed, good movement, was with a great team. It hasn't clicked. And I want to see if if eventually it does. Feels like this is feels like this is the it's gonna happen, it's gotta happen kind of situation. And I want to see. Item number eight, apologize for the dead air. Had to take some water and clear my throat little raspy after a week away and getting back into the swing of things. Item number eight, another look at Teresa Bleda. So Bleda is somebody that I was and still am high on as a prospect in the flyweight division. She is 21 years old, obviously a prospect, still green and one-dimensional though. Comes into this weekend facing Gab Gabriela Fernandez, who lost her debut earlier this year. 
awful loss to Natalia Silva. And it turns out Natalia Silva is really, really good. She beat Blada after beating Jasmine Jasnavicius, subsequently went on and demolished Victoria Leonardo. And it was announced yesterday that she is going to face Andrea Lee at UFC 192, or sorry, 292, not 192. I was at 192, 292. So it's hard to really fault a young fighter in their debut, losing to somebody that is currently in the top 15, has a chance to be in the top 10, could very well be a contender in the next couple of years. In that fight, Blada grappled well in the first round, threatened Natalia Silva on the ground, faded really hard, kind of had, I would imagine, a bit of an adrenaline dump in her debut, as well as just general fatiguing from grappling so much, and then got spinning back kicked, basically right here, right in the in the sternomy, just below the throat area. She looks to me like a plus athlete. And what I mean by that is big, physical, strong, athletic, able to do a lot of the things that regular mere mortals aren't able to do. But it's all about how she progresses. This feels to me like a favorable matchup against Gabriela Fernandez because Fernandez couldn't stop a takedown to save her life against Jasmine Davisius earlier this year. And so if Blada can come out and wrestle and grapple and utilize top position, I think we see some good things from her. Again, I am still high on her. A loss to Natalia Silva in her debut does not change my position. I want to see more. Give me more evidence. Allow me to make greater, deeper assessments. And we go from there. Item nine, big moment for Ronnie Lawrence. There's another guy that I am high on, was high on, I should say. It's cooled a little bit. And I say was because it, it, it has, it has dropped. Now, I spoke to Lawrence before this fight. He explained that in these last couple of fights, he's been really sick. He's been battling different staph infections and cystic acne is essentially what he has. And the way it works is it, it opens the opportunity for you to get more bacterial infections, which then can lead to staph, which then means you're running courses of antibiotics, depletes your system. And when you're doing that in the midst of camp, it means that when you get out there on fight night, you aren't going to be at your best. Certainly wasn't at his best against Sadiqub Kakramanov. Last time out, got dominated in that fight, looked like a shell of himself. And so I got to take a little step back. But I want to see what he can do this weekend against Dan Argueta, which is a another sort of matchup, not quite the Kakramanov matchup, because I think Kakramanov is a better wrestler athletically than Dan Argueta, who seems more of a power guy than a technique and speed grapple guy. But this is a big moment for Lawrence. He's somebody that had a bunch of buzz, that had the backing of Dana White coming off the Contender Series, who looked good in his first couple fights, especially his first fight, had good moments in his fight against Mana Martinez before losing the third round and almost getting finished. But again, that fight, another one where he was dealing with some health issues. And so let's just see. When I talked to him, which was now 10 days ago, everything was fine. All was progressing as, as wanted. He said in his words, he was as healthy as he had been in any camp since the contender series. So that is a positive sign. Knock it on wood. I hope that has continued because a healthy Ronnie Lawrence is a very interesting fighter in the bantamweight division. So I want to see if he can show us that on Saturday.
Item number 10, light heavyweight hopefuls open the show. Love the fight between Zach Pauga and Modestus Bukoskis. No need to slow play people at light heavyweight. Normally, I don't like seeing people coming off wins that have no real history, no real track record in the division, getting paired up against each other this early. But we we change those rules at light heavyweight. And yes, I know Bukoskis has his first run, but that cup of coffee doesn't count to me. I, I really think it was a too much too soon for, for Mati B and that we get a better version of him this time around. And so put them together. Both have upside. Let's see who moves forward. Pauga needs to show a little more after grinding out a win over Jordan Wright last time. Bacoskis coming off a very good win over Tyson Pedro in Perth earlier this year. Winner moves forward, maybe against a ranked opponent. That's how shallow things are at light heavyweight. Vanquished fighter, we see what the limitations are and we figure it out from there. We start hot. We get a good fight right out of the gate. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to be back. It's good to be back in the routine, getting settled back in. Gotta admit, life routine, not necessarily settled in yet. It's weird after not being around for a week. Video routine, we're starting to get it dialed back in. By the time next week rolls around, everything will be back in line. I will be back feeling 100% the, the froggy, scratchy, extra scratchy version of ESK will be replaced by a much more pleasant sounding, we shall say, ESK. But for now, I remind you to check out the Substack, scan the QR code if you are watching on the YouTube channel. It will bring you to Keyboard Kimura where you can sign up to subscribe for free for five bucks a month, for 50 bucks a year. Any way you do it, I greatly appreciate it. Check out the boys at One Bone, OneBoneBrand.com. They put out the teaser today. Well, something coming with Sweet Dreams, Jamal Hill, UFC light heavyweight champion. Looking forward to that. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Spencer Kite. Know that you're loved. Know that you're appreciated. We are happy to have you back. We'll talk to you tomorrow.